This show is part of the Pika Science Podcast, studying the intersection of video games and science. You've journeyed long and far to this distant world in search of lost knowledge. You found the temple, but search for a missing tome. Quick, roll an investigation check. 18. Impressive. You search a few rooms, and there it is, hidden in a compartment behind a throne. You open the tome and begin looking at the magical script. Roll an arcana check. Natural 20, success. Now it's time to unlock all the knowledge of... Ben Richton's Guide to Monsters and Lore. Last time on Ben Richton's Guide to the Monsters and Lore. Ben, don't worry, guys. I will power up for this fight. Ah! Madison, I got your back. Ah! Frieza, why am I here? Ah! What will happen today? Find out on this episode of Ben Richton's Guide to Monsters and Lore. Which is a part three. It was going to be no, part, part two, two, but we did a bonus episode. So part 2.5, I don't know. No, no, it is part two. The bonus, ep- the bonus episode never got uploaded. Oh, it's coming! It's coming! There's a bonus. I it it's it's being saved as a Patreon gift, but we haven't gotten to. We have our next cast meeting coming up, so once that decision's done, <laughs> <laughs> we will figure out what to do with the. We bonus did. We recorded episode. you guys an amazing Christmas gift, and then my my mental state fell apart right around the holidays. <laughs> Which I assume other people will relate to. I don't know. The holidays can be difficult. I mean, both my girlfriend and I are apparently triggered by Christmas, so it was great. Well, I can tell you, we are back on the ball with, what are we with? We're with elves. Once again, back on the elves. Well, and here's the greatest thing. This episode is so special. Why is it because special? it's our first one that we are not going to get to edit. <laughs> so whatever we record is what is being released tomorrow morning because uh, we've been so busy preparing for a unmentioned event we're doing this weekend that <clears throat> we mm-hmm. just didn't have time to finish recording. <laughs> and we realized this the other day and we were like, oh my gosh. So yeah, yeah. so we're doing this one on the fly. Uh, we have all the notes because we had made this a two-parter, so everything's already planned out. We just need to go through and talk about this, you guys. And we are going to do our best to make Let's it Let's talk about elves. Perfect. Yes. Let's talk about some elves. Let's so, talk about Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if you all remember where we left off last time, but we were just last time on about- Ben Richton's Guide. Last time on, <laughs> we were just starting to talk about the in-game D&D lore of elves, um, all sorts of the different types of them. So let's, I feel like we should jump right into that. Yeah, so let's talk about the very the various variants of elves, at least the ones that are various available variants. in 5e. Various variants of variants, this is this. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So the first ones we have are wood and high elves. Kind of stuck them together because they're like the pinnacle, the prototype of what you think of when you think of elves, especially in like a D and D setting. They're so I know with high elves, other. we're supposed to think like high class, high magic. Um, but when I hear it, I just think of like stoner elves. Well, it's funny because okay, I thought the same thing, and then you have wood elves who are like fully of the earth of plants. It feels like there's something there. <laughs> elves are just stoners. Oh my god, can you someone please do that as your next elf character? Wouldn't that be so fun? And like, have your elves live on like a commune? Oh my god, that would be so fun to role play like in hey, real life. Oh my gosh, you know what? Like, it grows from the earth, so it must be good for me. I'm just imagining what it would be like to try to cast spells, but like you're you're under the influence. <laughs> Quick, make a con save. Are you sober enough to cast a spell? No. I- <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um we yeah, there is some lore going on with wooden high elves uh, that we should mention. So they are often lacking 
their carefree and frivolous nature, unfortunately, because they feel a lot of sorrow within their souls due to the loss of Coraline's path and embrace. There's a lot of lore behind that. Maybe you know more about it than I do. Me? I know nothing. I just know I'm not super familiar with all of the details behind. <laughs> I just like, I thought Corbin. they were just like like the, the very Tolkieny like elves, you know, like mm-hmm. they are the the ones that live in the woods. Like when I think of them, I think of I really do think of Tolkien. I think of like the river elves being the high elves, and I think of you know the the wood elves being the wood elves, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> being the wood elves. Uh, what else do we know about these elves? But we've also established that Gary Gygax did not steal any of this. Okay, that's the most interesting thing to me because he said on record, I did not copy Tolkien. I did not do that. And then a, a bunch of academics who study like D&D were like, no, no, no. He took it from Tolkien. It, it's like it's like when your paper gets uh, proofread and like plagiarism checked. I swear I didn't do it. Well, uh, wait, you cited exact word for word this study. That's weird. Yeah. How did that happen? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> well, so, I mean, yeah, best way to put it is that they, they have these structures uh, based on, you know, they, they're they rigid more about their emotions. Like like we said, they, they've cut themselves off from that feeling that they had, like we talked about before with the, pri- the, the primal elves. Uh, mm. They do have a lot of a lot of rigid traditions and customs, but from what we've read, at least, especially going through um, the Mordecai's book, they, it's not that they don't have emotions, it's that they show it in a different way. And I think the way it was described that because they live for so long, their emotional reactions are actually more, um, they're more controlled mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they've experienced so much. And because they have that whole rebirth cycle where they're experiencing their past lives, They've had so many experiences that, like, it's like there's not much you're going to do to surprise them. Right. So right. I've been watching. I don't know if you. So, sorry. I've been watching uh, the old Nickelodeon show as told by Ginger because I'm a huge fan. Oh, my God. A throwback. Oh, my God. I, I love that show. So but let, like, let me let me make the connection here. Hold on. So I love the show. And Carl Fowl, Carl's great. Um, but I think of the Wood Elves and the High Elves kind of like Ginger's mom, who they've seen everything and they're just not like freaked out anymore. It's just like, okay, yep, nope, that's Tuesday. Mm. <laughs> like like c- a civilization nearby collapses. They're like, oh, well, it's a Thursday. That's okay. <laughs> well, that makes me think like everyone, like the human race is then like high school teens. Yes, yes, that's what it is. It's, it's, uh, it's not that they live too long. It's that we're the short living ones and they're just like, you guys are a bunch of idiots. Yeah, like you guys don't even know. This is not that deep. It's not that serious. <laughs> yeah, why are you burning each other over this? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I th- I love that. That's like a typical reaction of elves that they're like. Oh, but again, you it's not. Guys, it's not that there's like, no emotion. It's that they've experienced so much that at least within the D and D lore, that it's a composed reaction. Yeah, composed, and I like they've taken that and they've also applied it to like their general love of life. You know, they love nature they love and art yes artistic things the beauty of a rainbow a swarm of bugs very ethereal are we listing the things from reading rainbow opening is that what we're doing <laughs> i would imagine that's very elvish <laughs> <laughs> let's see maybe we should jump to perhaps some other variants of elves who are not so good vibes in nature yeah so now we have drow right dark elves mm-hmm. So what Dark can you tell us about the drow? The drow, the drow. The drow, the drow. Um, very opposite. Very opposite high elves. Selfish, cruel. They live in the underworld. They worship the demon queen of spiders, Lolf. I cannot imagine that she is a super kind boss to them. <laughs> um, they believe that they are superior to other creatures. Uh, and this is due to their connection to Lolf. Very not... You know, I believe they have slaves even. Like, they're not here to make friends. They're not here to believe in equality. Oh, yeah. And they sacrifice their slaves to Loth herself. Super fun. The The underworld sounds amazing. And what else? The drow, interestingly, their culture in general is matriarchal. This is due to their connection to Loth as a female being. And they see life as kind of a test for judgment. So 
there's a lot of religious undertones going on here. I feel, I'm not going to say that they have Catholic guilt, but I feel like they might. Something, something similar to that, perhaps. Well, I didn't think it was that. I, <clears throat> to me, the drow are so dedicated to to loath that it's like everything is about loath and gaining loath, um, like essentially favor, right? We know when mm-hmm. we talked about this that there's this whole separation with loath and um, uh, Corellian, 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 is that who we're talking Corellian. about? Corellian. Yeah, Corellians. Yeah, and it's my understanding that loath actually can break the reincarnation cycle. And they can join like her like spirit, her demon web, right? And so it's it's kind of like if they're tested, they can gain her um her favor. And if they fail test, they become a drider, which is like a drow spider combo. I don't know if I'd want to live as a spider being. I wonder if that would be fun for them. But also like the sensitivity from uh the sunlight that comes from the banishment, which we talked about the lore last time. And yeah, like, I don't know. The other thing is, because Loth was seen as the elven mother, their culture is actually more matriarchal in nature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like I, yeah, which is weird. Like I said, like, it, you wouldn't necessarily think of a dark race of elves as being, like, matriarchal. At least I don't make that connection right away. But it's interesting. Well, I think it's, again, because it's, cause Loth is the deity. So it's about connecting to Loth. So that said... um, they they tend to have very again we said it's very devoted very religious aspects uh and their culture evolves around their houses which is like their family or clan and it you know then there's the people related or the servants and slaves and the houses are constantly fighting right like it's literally like an episode of the real housewives i was thinking more game of thrones but maybe both. <laughs> it's, it's the real housewives of drow city Real housewives. Well, Can someone it, make that a campaign, please? That would be so fun because in order to lead their houses, the drought women have to become priestesses of love. So can you imagine like real housewives-esque energy to try to vie for like love's hand? <laughs> Did Trista just slap me? What? <laughs> oh, okay. That would be fun anyway. Now I'm just... I can't go into a tangent like this, but trying to bring other pop culture things into D&D campaigns, I feel like that can be so, so unhinged. This would be an interesting to it. Interesting twist. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's part of it. And but yeah, I mean, again, how you take it's up to you. Um, I'm afraid to say too much because of. There is still the prospect and Brittany and I were just talking about yesterday, the prospect of us still getting to do um finishing the campaign and they ended it in a drow kind of city except in my game i didn't call them the the drow it was more of the uh the underground elves they live underground and i explained again because the entire world's based on evolutionary theory i explained the lack of um like the sunlight sensitivity and all that stuff on the fact that they're just not around sun and that the darker skin would actually be an adaptation to living underground because you'd be able to blend in more and be more successful hunting. Mm-hmm. Seeing yeah. all that, that makes logical sense. Yeah, it does. I know. I'm great. That's but nice. I can't That's tell good. too much more because there's a whole thing about fungi mind controlling people and I can't I can't give stuff away. Okay, The Last of Us. <laughs> I, I, I've never played that game. So like, again, that didn't come to me. Like, I had no idea that, that was a thing I was accidentally stealing. Oh, whatever. I feel like it's not stealing. It's just an interesting... The mind-controlling fungus is a total trope. Well, I wanted to do something, and to me, it was... Because one of the characters related to the head, to the queen, the queen uh, drow. So it was bringing back her, just her story. And then it was... I wanted to find a way to explain, like, why did her mom go insane without it just being like, well, she had a breakdown. Oh, <laughs> Because I, I didn't want it wasn't de- just mental health. Yeah, I didn't want to dehumanize. Well, I didn't want it to be like she's just mean or she's just like I didn't want to dehumanize mm-hmm. her actions just... prior to the campaign. I'm not redeeming. Like you disowned your kid for having a queer relationship. Not redeeming that. Oh, your current can't attempts really to murder that. everyone. Your current attempts to murder everyone, though, it, it, oh, it's a fungus. <laughs> fungus among us. 
the fungus among us. There's an imposter in the den. Uh- there really is. <laughs> There's an imposter in the house. So the the next one we got to talk about though is the Eladrin. The Eladrin, uh, so opposite of them? the Drow. Yes. So the Eladrin, from what I understand, very different from the Drow. They're closest to what we call the primal elves. So they choose to stay in the Feywild. They have a distinct appearance due to that choice. They're slender. Their skin and hair colorations impacted by the season they find kinship with, which I, f- I think very like aesthetically pleasing that like if they find kinship with winter, they have a sort of wintry aesthetic. I, th- I think that's so cool. They also kind of, I guess, kind of similar to the drow. They also think of themselves as pretty superior. They see their connection to the Feywild as making them stronger. They're a little bit condescending to other variants of elves for this reason. And also their culture is older than all the other elven cultures. So they have this kind of like history, like way, way, way back that they can claim for themselves. Um, Personality wise, they're known for their indecisiveness. And they do not wish to end the cycle of rebirth and rejoin Coraline. They prefer the Feywild, which why wouldn't you? I suppose if I was a Eladrin, the Feywild sounds pretty, pretty sweet for, uh, for that. I mean, you gotta live in some chaos, you know. You gotta. Then I'm, from what I understand too, the Feywild is like magic, like unbounded, like a lot more magical than some other realms. Yeah, or at least the magic is more wild. Yeah, it's super fey, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that sounds fun. But also, like they, they, I don't know. I just think I think it's great that they have that connection to to. Coraline, which is the exact opposite. Like the Drow really embody the connection to Loth, and the Eldrin really embody the connection to, to Coraline. The Eldrin are ever changing, right? Like they're more magical in nature. They have things like, you know, they just have all these great spells at their disposal. And they're very charismatic. They're, you know, they're they're be- they're beautiful and have different wide colorations and appearances. And that matches more of Coraline where the drow really do match loath, like strict and more rigid. But it, it's really interesting to see, which is really funny to me though, because like when we read the backstory of the conflict between Corlin and and, and loath, it felt like loath was the one who was more freeing and more like let me give you freedom, and Corlin was like I'm gonna punish you for being a bad kid. And so mm-hmm. the fact that their followers took two very different messages and they're living very different lives is kind of. It's it's interesting, yeah. It's, it's you could thing. you could do a little analysis of that, yeah. Yeah, we could. Uh, so uh, we have two more that we're gonna talk about that are five E. Um, Ooh, yes. Okay. The, the next, next ones one? are the fun one, so we do gotta talk yes. about them. But they're kind of related to the drow, and at least the the issues like with Coraline and Coraline not liking Loth. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Do you want to talk to us about the Shadar Kai? I do. I feel like this is my favorite just because they're so weird, in my opinion. Not to be judgmental, just like, honestly, they're weird. Uh, they're a group of elves, the Shatterkai, bound to the Shadowfell. They look withered. They almost look like corpses. They got wrinkled skin. They got swollen joints, pale hair, pale skin. No matter where they are, they just kind of look like they're dead. They prefer to wear cloaks, veils, masks to kind of conceal their faces. So I'm not sure if they're proud of the fact that they look dead. They try to cover that up. And they are tied to the Raven Queen. So they also have this sort of feminine deity that they're following. And when she fell, they were forever cursed to serve her and the shadow fell. You know, unfortunately or fortunately, it seems like they kind of are slaying down there. Seems like they like it. I don't know. I'm not a Shatter Kai. I can't speak for them. Uh, it is believed that the origin of them dated to the failed attempt by the Raven Queen to ascend into divinity. So that seems to be the reason that she fell is that she did not make that ascension into divinity. Uh, allegedly, the Raven Queen resurrects the Shatter Kai from death at her own will. So this means that they view death as simply a temporary condition. So I guess they look like they're dead all the time, but if they actually die, it's like not that big of a deal. I'm just dead. I'll be right back. Don't worry about it, guys. I'll just, yeah. it's just, just like a day or so. It's fine. I mean, it's kind of great, though, that, that they have this connection to that rebirth cycle, but in a very different way. Very different, right. <laughs> because, and I think that's the other cool thing about the Shadar Kai, 
is that like the Eldrin are directly like almost directly fluidly connected fluid right the drow are so rigid that they want to be part of Lothweb. and the wooden high elves are just like well we're we're here for the journey and we're just gonna keep being like reborn and the shard archive are like connected to everyone else's life cycle mm-hmm. <laughs> living in like the pathway of the dead <laughs> because it they is. serve like the queen who oversees the realm of the dead <laughs> Like it's kind of funny. I can imagine them just like scurrying like, you're right, around. You're right though, because like know. it doesn't fit with any of the other ones. That's what makes it interesting and funny. Because it's like, yeah, the rest of them all have this connection to this life, and and these guys are like way over here. They're like, we're connected to death. <laughs> we're just out here. Like it, it is <laughs> They're weird. They're the goth kids, <laughs> completely. Like the ones in the corner. <laughs> They're the ones from South Park. The heads down, shoe gazing while dancing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's it. So I feel like their history and their lore, there's a lot of like interesting details that goes into that, especially their connection to the Raven Queen, considering that she was once an elf uh, that people loved more than the gods. And then, like I said, she had tried to elevate herself to divine status during when Loth and Corlin were in conflict with each other. So when the Raven Queen rose to power, many elves offered their souls to her. Her goal was to use these souls to forge a pathway through the Feywild back home to Arvindor. However, that really did not turn out so well for her. She realized this issue. She reached the entrance of Arvindor. She brought down wrath to all of those who were trying to take advantage of her power, you know, evil wizards and such. Her spell completely failed due to her wrath corrupting the entire ritual. So instead, it took the lives of all of those people who were trying to help her, not the ones who were trying to manipulate her. So they were pulled to the Shadowfell. Well, she it took the ones that were manipulating killed. her too, though. It took the ones that were manipulating her too, because they get turned into monsters. Oh, so really this did not turn out well for like They turned into the, the, the Nogpaws. Oh, uh, Yeah. Yeah, you know, it it was it was messy. Which, if we'll you've never seen a knockpaw, knockpaw looks like those monsters from the Dark Crystal movies. Oh, That's what it looks like. Wait. Those like bird-like creatures. Um, we're gonna do a little Google image search, like <laughs> in this moment. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, strange. Okay, yeah, like the Dark Crystal thing. Okay, yep, I see. Yeah. So wait, here's here here's the fun joke. Corlin and Loth are like the two major political party candidates fighting, and and the the, the Raven Queen is like Ross Perot. I'm <laughs> just like trying to make something happen. The Raven Queen is taking away votes from both the other two like gods, <laughs> and as punishment, Corlin's like no, no. <laughs> Very. I would like to think of the Raven Queen as a third party candidate can we, of some can kind. We, can we do that to to Kennedy after this election? Can we just no? No. no. <laughs> you listen here. You listen here. No. Get out. Oh goodness. Yeah. You know the ra- it, things just did not turn out for. I almost feel bad for the Raven Queen. Like she had a lot of stuff happen to her. Yeah. Even if she was kind of evil, I don't know. Yeah. So here's the deal. Uh, there, they, they things don't go well because the spell backfires, right? Mm-hmm. In addition to that, they she corrupted and mutated the the wizards that were like trying to ruin everything and turned them into knockpaws. And so their evil monsters stuck to wander the plain marked by the Raven Queen. So then the Shadarkai watch their queen fall into madness. Like she literally, after they get there, she goes into madness. Mm-hmm. So in order to prevent herself from breaking, she pulled the energy of the dead, dark memories that end up lost in the Shadowfell. Because the Shadowfell is like the opposite of the Feywild. The Feywild is like living, breathing magic. You know, it's like bright, it's vibrant, it's chaotic. But the Shadowfell has chaos, but it's all like madness, decay, dark memories of the dead. And she uses them to like pull, she pulls them into her. And it essentially allows her to reach divinity, but then takes the entire Shadowfell and covers it with shadows, dark memories, and remnants of dead gods. 
So she kind of, she almost like gets her wish of divinity, but it's like not. <laughs> it's like a it's genie wish. Good it's like a genie wish. <laughs> yeah, it's right. She I wish I had wanted, a million but, like, dollars, cool. and then it turns out it's it's like a million Monopoly dollars. <laughs> yeah, but, she, so she, she does got, like oh. Yeah, she does turn this into a like a fortress called the Fortress of Memories. It's her castle, uh, and this place is filled with like sorrow, pain, longing, and guilt and remorse. Kind of the so bad this is like emotions, this is like the place yeah. where like people who've suffered, it's where their memories go. Which honestly is just interesting as is. Yeah, and so we know the Shadarkai serve her. They do leave the realm to take on, but and they can take on the appearance of other elves, but they still are really pale. So they are known as immortal because when they die, the Raven Queen captures their souls and returns them to Shadowfell, where they are resurrected. So they don't actually die. They're not part of that life and rebirth cycle like all the other elves. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so mm-hmm. the Shadar Kai exists for her bidding and her will and can enter the mind of a mortal encroaching upon the realm to try to retrieve like fragments of like memories and stuff for the Raven Queen. So yeah. Ooh. Oh, I didn't know that part. Oh. Well, we have one last one. Who's our last one? Who's our last one? Last but not least, could not forget about the sea elves, of course. And, you know, I don't know a lot about sea elf lore other than I kind of feel like they're similar to the wood elves, but like the aqua, uh, uh, aquatic, <laughs> aquatic version <laughs> of the wood elves. Um, you know, they believe in the beauty of nature, like I said, this time just being water instead of woods. They develop small communities in the elemental plane of water. They like to explore. I see a lot of similarities with the wood elves. Yeah, just kind of different location, I guess. Um, so here's the thing. We're going to move on here in a second because we have to go into our final part, how to use the monsters. How so, to use them. As I said, we have a bonus episode somewhere that I got to upload at some point somewhere about Christmas and Santa and all those other great things. Oh, which will be a total treat for y'all. Yeah, <laughs> I did a good job on it. It was fun. It was, it was a really wild. good encounter. It was a really good encounter. Yeah. We spent 30 minutes on that encounter. And it was excellent. Yeah, it was it was better than anything you're going to find in Die Hard. <laughs> you know, like the Christmas movie, right? <laughs> well, this year we watched Gremlins as a Christmas movie. Oh, see, I watched Barbie, which is not a Christmas movie, but here I did we watch are. that, but you have to watch the one on HBO where it has the ASL. Yeah. Because you want you want HBO to do more movies with ASL. It is really cool that they did that. That's so unique. I was I was really excited. The girls and I watched it, even though we owned the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you got to support, got to support those people doing good work. Yeah, we should support all people doing good work for sure. So we're gonna do really. I'm gonna try to do give us some brevity here. We have not one, not two, not three, not three, not four, but five different encounters to go through here. So I'm gonna go a little bit quicker than normal. So our first yes. one, we're gonna talk about the drought. All right, and back what to I the said drow. To, to set you guys up is that maybe the encounter or the quest or whatever is that there is raids happening on local communities and they are as the players would go through this encounter you could either have them understand it at the beginning that it appears that people are being sacrificed to summon a demon or have it become clear as the players are encountering more within you know, the drow community. So obviously the earlier parts of the encounter are going to be a little bit easier for a higher level party. But, but if you're like me and like to make sure your players don't get short or long rest. <laughs> and they just have to dive into stuff like head on. A, a level 20 parties having to face a like, you know, eight encounters throughout a day is still draining. Even if those encounters are low level, it can still be oh, draining. Yeah. Because it becomes a numbers and math game. Yeah, if you're unprepared, like, doesn't matter how high level you are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So our first encounter, what I said was that maybe we would be looking at, as they're coming into the Underdark, you know, scouts or people protecting the cities. So we have a couple different things you can use here. Uh, one of them, believe it or not, Ripley, is actually a drow scout. Oh. Yeah, it's on page 191 of Out of the Abyss. 
which is also an Underdark adventure. Great Underdark adventure, actually. If you want to see a real Demogorgon, a two-headed baboon with tentacle arms, uh, not weird flower thing. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want to see the OG? <laughs> so, the, you know, obviously, like, these are just uh, CR one half. They're not super great. But again, they have, uh, like, they have access to darkness and fairy fire. They have advantage on perception checks. You know, they're good at stealthing. These would be great things to, like, be, tr- you know, approaching the party as they're getting closer to the city. And I think more than just that, um, you also have drow guards which is also on out of the abyss page 195 uh there is cr 1/8 uh similar access to similar spells which is great i think just having a combination personally i, I don't like to have just one type of uh creature when we're doing combat whether they are humanoids or not i prefer to have a variety of creatures in my combats because i think it makes it more interesting um, mm-hmm. If you wanted to, you could also throw in some Drow Bandits, also Out of the Abyss, page 194, uh, CR18. But, you know, having those three, you know, you got access to a bunch of different things. You have the Scouts, which could be the first set they run into, you know, because they're stealthing. Uh, and then, you know, your Bandits are getting a little bit closer than the Guards. And those can wear them down. If you also wanted to, maybe while they're wandering the caves... You know, maybe they come across a drider or two. Driders are on page uh, 120 of the Monster Manual. They are challenge rating six. And again, like even a higher level party, having faced, you know, 20 humanoid NPCs and then throw two driders their way before anything else has happened. That's still like a pain in the butt. Driders still have access to those spells, which is pretty great. They have spider climb. And they get like multi attacks, and there's even variant rules for driders to have spell casting, like to have more spells, like things like dispel magic or hold person or silence. Ooh. I don't know how much you know uh, about the spell silence, Ben, but that spell can make or break a party. Really, I turning do not off, know what that turning is. off the verbal components to your to like the player's spells is nasty. <sighs> Because if they can't do okay, the verbal, okay, so this co- can be really deadly. Yeah, yeah, this could be like a really fun encounter before they even get into the city. So you know, you could have three or four smaller encounters before they even get into the city, and you've worn in on them. Mm-hmm. And then at some way, you want to leave signals that there's one particular house that's the actual problem, and to try to lead them in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So from in there, maybe they're gonna want to like sneak around the house. Um, so my thought at least was that in the house, there's different family members. And personally, I would have each family member be like a different, uh, different, different monster here. So I like the drow mage challenge rating seven, 129 of the monster manual, just because I think it's always great to throw some spell casters back at your players. Cause sometimes they, they, they don't know how to take it. <laughs> Uh, this guy, you know, has access to greater invisibility, which is great. Nothing like having greater invisibility <laughs> on the yeah, thing that they're fighting. Yeah, a whole bunch fighting. of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. They get free access to cast, uh, you know, darkness or fairy fire or levitate. Oof. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. So and like, they can summon a demon. And... They can summon a shadow demon. <laughs> Just casual. <laughs> so to me, like, that's fun. Uh, and if it was me, I would also maybe throw in a drow spy. Drow Not because spy. it needs to be a spy, but because the way the spy works is that it's essentially a rogue and has sneak attack. These are on page of 195 out of the abyss or challenge rating one. Having the players like this is one of the things that my players know and they get really frustrated with sometimes having them fight um, NPCs that play like players can be really frustrating because they'll yeah. be like, oh, God, did I just get sneak attacked? And you're like, yeah, kind of. Uh, Drow <laughs> yeah, Noble, <kinda. laughs> yeah, Drow Nobles are on page one ninety six out of the abyss. They're a challenge rating one eight, but like again, because they have different actions, they can parry, which is kind of cool. So you get a reaction with that, which is really nice. Um, and you know, just me, like the other one I throw in is a Drow Elite Warrior, challenge rating five, one twenty eighth Monster Manual. 
And just because then you have someone who's got more multi-attacks, they have, they're really good with like the hand crossbow and the short sword. And I think, and you can eat, there's even variants for to give them like better armor and better short swords. Personally, I would do it like, you know, and you can always throw in the base draw there, which is page 128 monster manual. It's only challenge rating one fourth, but again, there's variants for it to have magic armor and stuff. I would, I'd be throwing a bunch of those in and I would have that being like the family. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a oh, numbers game, you right? accidentally like walked. Yeah. Like now, and because of that, you've now learned about the family. And so maybe one of the last ones I'd have would be, maybe it was like, maybe they were upstairs sleeping. <laughs> But the Drow Inquisitor would be the final for me for this encounter. Uh, they are on page 102 of Mordekainen's Monsters Multiverse. They are a challenge rating 14. So again, a little bit of heavy, hefty here. They Their job is like, because it also can turn on the party. Their job is like they can get information out of people. So maybe if the party did lose, this person instead of killing the party would want to interrogate them. Yeah. Well, I'm just seeing their ability says yeah, they can tell when like, someone's lying. Discern lie. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. Ooh. I mean, like, so it's either way how you want to take it. To me, I think that's great. Or have them try to capture this person so that they can have them like tell who's lying later. Right. A total strategic move. But also having an NPC that they're fighting have access to dispel magic is nasty. <laughs> oh, your players turned on, uh, you know. They have their spiritual guardians up. Nope, not anymore. Mm-mm. I love it when NPC like humanoid monsters can have access to dispel magic or counter spell. I love it. Love it. It's I mean, one of, of my course, y- I was gonna say, to <laughs> of course you do because this seems like something you would love to use. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of fun though. Like your players, like, well, I got you know, I have this up. And you're like, well, now you don't. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're gonna have to think of something else. But it's also good because like it makes your players more creative. They have to think outside the box sometimes. So that would be my second encounter. The third one would be that I'd have some sort of clues in the house leading to like the drow's church, like the where the priestesses are. And mm-hmm. so from there, we're going to have a drow priestess of loath, monster manual, page 129. Uh, they are challenge rating eight, uh, but they, they, they get some really cool spells here. Uh, they actually work as a cleric essentially because they have um they have cure wounds lesser restoration but they can also summon a demon i like this because so hear me out everything else that you're going to team up with them they can then be healing as your players are fighting them oh throw in two shadow blades throw in two shadow blades and shadow blades are nasty Shadow Blades, they have this Shadow Sword that does necrotic damage. And they can Which teleport. Which is never good. And they can teleport around the map. Oh and Shadow Blades are on page 105 of the Monster Manual. They're a challenge rating 11. So I said, like, a party at level 20, like, if this is, like, your final game or final thing, a couple of Priests of Loath, Priests of Loath and some Shadow Blades here, after having all these other encounters already... Like, you're done for, yeah. I don't know if you're done for, but it's going to feel hard. I would probably throw in a house captain here, because maybe, like, they're, like, they're involved as well, because they're getting ready to do this ritual. And, you know, they they have some good melee skills. Uh, they're on Mordekainen's Monsters of Multiverse, page 101, challenge rating 9. Uh, but they have, you know, they do have some spell casting, but they have, like, the battle commands. They can use reactions to force their friends to do things oh and that could be really that could be something that's why i said like uh, having them fight stuff like this to me is the most fun i also personally would throw in a giant spider or two or three or four <laughs> challenge <laughs> as rating, many as you like challenge yeah. rating one of the monster manual page uh 328 i mean i'd probably throw in a few i'm not gonna lie because Just i think for me up. yeah i think for me that'd be a lot of fun just seeing them show up. Um, if you want, oh Out gosh. of the Abyss, page 97 has... They're only challenge rating one half, but they do have fiendish giant spiders, which are... Like, they kind of, like, do poison and stuff. Mm. That's okay. I think those are kind of cool. And I think oh, that right so there... scary. Is, like, you're in the temple, and, like, you come into encounters with all these people at once, but you find out and come to realize that this isn't the thing. 
And then it's happening in the basement. Oh, no. <laughs> so now you gotta go to the basement. And what is waiting for us down there? Well, the first thing's gonna be waiting for you there. I'm telling you what, it's gonna be the demon feed spider. What is that? It's a fiend. It is like a spider demon hybrid kind of thing. It is on page 237 of the Taldori campaign setting. I'm not saying you have to use it because I have mixed feelings. I, I Don't get me wrong, Matt Mercer, you're an amazing human being. You're like one of the nicest, kindest people I've ever heard of anyone meeting. Uh, some of your stuff that can be unbalanced at times, though. Uh, personally, though, I like this one because I think it's fun. I think it's got because it's got like these cool web spinners. It's got a stinger. I think it's kind of fun. Uh, but you don't have to use that. You can go back to your other spiders we said earlier. Or you could have a dragolith. And a dragolith is really interesting. They are a they are a drow who is twisted uh, by the by a demon. Uh, they're a challenge rating seven. They are on page ninety eight of Mordekainen's Monster Multiverse. They're in Volos too, I think, because that's where I got them. Uh, my players recently fought one. They're nasty, and they them look horrible. And, well, and then giving them the ability to cast darkness at will is so fun. Because oh these things gosh. are great. Like, like just have them cast darkness everywhere and, like, beat the snot out of your players. As you're in, like, a church basement, yeah. Or as you're in the staircase going into the basement, even. <laughs> oh, my God. This is so... This is literally so scary. Like... <laughs> <laughs> my poor players, I know. So, oh as goodness. they get into the basement, I would then have it be a ritual where, like, they have a bunch of cultists... Uh, getting ready to sacrifice the captured town folks. So uh, drow cultists are on page 196 out of the abyss. They're challenge rating 1-8. Uh, nothing super fantastic, something special here, but I think it's fun. Again, I like changing what type of humanoid monsters I use because for me, the more variance is not only exciting for me as a DM, I think it's exciting for my players because it's more like, okay, we don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> No, um, oh my gosh, there's so many options. And then I want a Drow Arachnomancer who is well, on. I feel like you were just saying words to me. Oh my god. Page goodness. 99 <laughs> of the Mordekainen's challenge rating 13. This thing's cool because it can climb like a spider. Whoa. And it can turn into a spider, but then turn into a human too. Oh yeah. It's literally oh, yeah. like like a werewolf spider. See, this is what you get if you dedicate your soul to Lolth. You, too, could be an Arachnomancer. <laughs> and I think that that's really cool. Uh, the other thing that I definitely would have to throw in there All right. is, is what? the big one. We gotta throw in the Matron Mother, which is on page 104 of the Mordekainen's Multiverse, the Mad uh, Mon Monsterverse, Monsters of the Multiverse. It is a challenge rating 20. Whoa. This thing has a demon staff, it can summon demons. She she has so many awesome... She has legendary action. There's layer actions, too. I think this is the kind of battle that after they've had combat after combat after combat, and if you're making it feel like there's a time crunch, like there's not time for a break, they're going to go running into this in such a way that it's going to feel overwhelming. It doesn't, oh, matter what, doesn't matter what level they're at. Having to do all of this without a long rest is really challenging really challenging i oh like doing gosh. these kinds of encounters Ooh. to my players where it's like no no you have another thing to do now like you have to decide are you and going or not thing. And, and another thing yeah well but then it's like for them they're like okay well i'm tired maybe i want to go take a rest and you're like okay but then there's a consequence for that like oh well these people died oh well i right. made you aware of the time constraint like i made you aware of what was going on like it was a choice that is true. Making your players' actions have consequences. That feels like an important foundational <laughs> point. It's something that I try to do because it's definitely something. It's like the way I parent and the way I teach too. Like, you know, actions have natural consequences, whether you'd like them to or not. It is something that we're <laughs> struggling with the, with our newest game. Um, as I'm personally like struggling still too, to have a balance, uh, especially as I worked on some of my mental health stuff this summer. Um, kind of going back and forth between like, carefree and fun and like wait consequence must happen <laughs> <laughs> right there's a balance somewhere to be found in there yeah so it, it's it's one of those things it's it just you know trial and error so our next encounter though we're going to talk about wood elves and high elves um i said wood elves though and i wanted to be like 
a hidden village of elves to retrieve some artifact that's like ancient, older than time artifact. I want them to steal from the elves. And how is that going to go? Uh, so I want to have them face a bunch of elf NPCs because I think that's fun. So uh, we have Wood Elves, which are just in Storm King Thunder. They are challenge rating one half. Uh, yes, they get access to things like, you know, multi-tacks with short swords and longbow. I think what makes them interesting is that they can hide in foliage. I think okay. having these guys around is really cool. So, like, almost I'd use them as, like, the scouts. Um, but also, you can use the archers on Volo's Guide to Monsters, page 210, with challenge rating 3. You can respect them as elves. Because um, the archers, those 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 uh, NPCs are set up to be any any you know lineage you want and i think those are great they uh can add 1d10 to their bonus damage almost like a rogue which is kind of cool so you know throw in a couple of those as like your your guards for this hidden city and then honestly who's gonna keep the illusion up but you need an illusionist challenge rating three page one page 214 of volos um you get access to all sorts of illusional magic like fan phantom speed or major image so maybe there's illusionist elves that try to keep some like illusion barrier up and as the players get in they're like wait how did you break my illusion barrier whoa you know what i was thinking though after they defeat this like outer guard you could also throw in there is druids on page uh 346 monster manual challenge rating two you know and they play like druids so that could be a little dangerous some little nature magic here yeah like some some bark skin or speak with animals or have them do like conjure animals Ooh, yeah use nature to their advantage that'd be cool so i like the idea of like like this whole like wood protection around this you know like the the hidden city um then maybe when they get in the city maybe they have to try to steal this they find that the artifact is being guarded by like the like elf like magic council or whatever or maybe it's like a magical artifact to them. So they have to get it from these people. So I would be throwing in the enhancer or sorry, enchanter on uh, page 213 of Volos with challenge rating five. They get things like hold monster, dominate beast, hold person. <laughs> Pretty great spells. Oh, I so, like those ones that like restrict movement. Yeah. 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 They have, um, they have a charm feature that like recharges, um, and, and if the creature fails it, they have to attack someone other than the enchanter. Oh. <laughs> He's like, no, don't attack me. Attack someone else. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not my problem. That's not me. <laughs> but then, you know, throw in a few extra wood elves into the battle. And then maybe even on page, uh, page 187 in Candlekeep Mysteries is a wood elf wizard challenge rating seven. They get cloud kill or greater invisibility lightning bolt fly i think this would be another fun one too they also can summon like a shadow demon or something i think this would be cool too if you throw these in originally i thought about archmage but then i realized that the challenge rating was 12 i think keeping the wood elf wizard as the highest challenge rating here this would be a good like encounter design that i might throw together for like a party of level five or six Mm-hmm. Kind because of you have level, a bunch of yeah. smaller things and then it's not but it's not too big it's not like my drought mm-hmm. encounter where you're like trying to like right you're like i'd rather i'd rather hang myself right now no thanks madison <laughs> literally <laughs> like yeah anything, we're summoning some anything demons other here, than but... this guys anything other than this <laughs> um so our next one which is equally yes. as fun is uh, the Eldrin? We said maybe they needed to go to the Feywild and find the Dancing Circle. So the Dancing Circle actually goes into Elf lore. I don't remember if we talked about it in the last episode or not, uh, but there is some Elf lore about finding a circle of dancing elves, and like you go insane and dance them to your death. So maybe they gotta find. I don't the... know if we talked about that, but oh, I well, love. Now we, now we did. Now we did. Now we did. Yeah. You gotta go find. You gotta go find the Dancing Circle. Um, you dance to your death in some versions. Some versions, it's if you survive. Uh, sorry, in some versions, it's it's a test of your sanity. So, like, you either go insane or are stuck with the elves forever, or you come back like a changed person. Which I do like that about the Feywild. Like, you come back changed as, like, you're never the same again. Oh, yeah, the playing with that, this is more a psychological sort of encounter. Ooh. 
Yeah. And so for me, I'd be throwing in a bunch of like trickster things. Uh, we said the red cap already has connections to actual elf lore. That's on page 208 of Monsters Multiverse. Uh, challenge rating three. Cool thing about this guy is that it, 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 uh, it can move up to its speed and like does extra damage and tries to knock things prone. So just kind of like zipping around. <laughs> um, I also like Pixies being involved in this somehow. Uh, oh, yeah. The Pixies are on page uh, 283 of the Monster Manual. They are challenge rating one fourth. Pixies are great, though. They can cast Polymorph, which is super fun. I like the idea of Pixies like trying to Polymorph your tur- your your party into turtles. <laughs> Turtles specifically, yeah. I mean, like, what's a harder thing to like fight back as than a turtle? Uh, they're invisible. You know, they can go invisible. Quicklings are also great. Those are on I two hundred seven monsters multiverse. They are challenge rating one. I like quicklings because they move one hundred and twenty feet around, like all the time. Yes, and and you constantly have disadvantage against them. Oh my god! It's okay. The Feywild is just like because their invasion par, is so like, fast. Is so yeah, their invasion—they're so fast. Um, one of my other favorite things in the Feywild, and it's Lila's one of her favorite creatures. It's on page uh, three eighteen. The Monster Manual is a blink dog. They teleport. Oh. It's just like a dog, but it teleports. Oh, oh they had one in. Uh, they had one in Critical Role season two. Uh, so actually, before my divorce and. Uh, the incident with my foster child, my ex, my previous foster child, um, and the discrimination there. We were rec- as Chloe was supposed to be adopted. We were recording a uh, a f- not flaming dice. It was called Flaming Family, and it was me, Lila, my best friend, and my other, and then Chloe. And they had found a pet blink dog, and Lila was so excited. Like they had a pet blink dog companion. It was like the cutest thing ever. Like they would describe how the dog like peed on the boat and like how they had to clean it. And I was like, okay, guys, this is D and D here. Here's okay, my just <laughs> Chloe. So wherever cute. you are in the world, I miss you like crazy. You were you were a fun kid. Um, this though could be fun though, as like you have some of the other stuff be kind of like a lower lower challenge rating. The Elotrins are all challenge rating 10. And they're on oh, 116 okay. of uh, the Monsters of Multiverse, 115, 116. They have all sorts of different uh, different abilities. They all get, like, Far Step, the ability to teleport, which is kind of cool. Uh, they all have benefits when they charm. Well, so the, the Autumn one has benefits when they charm. And I think that's really great because they, they all like to charm creatures. <laughs> So all the autumn ones have like charm creatures and the summer ones make them frightened. They're like fearsome and they get like parry. Uh, The spring ones also charm, which is kind of fun. They also have access to different spells. So like suggestion, major image. I think that's kind of fun. And then the winter one, uh, they also do a charm, but it's like a sorrowful charm. Like you're kind of like depressed. (laughs) so there's all sorts of tricks and things like, I, I feel I like, like this. nothing is as it seems here yeah I, I would like this like that they run into different eladrins but they all look like the exact same person oh but they're all different but they're like really confused because it's like oh it's the person you just saw and then they're siblings <laughs> that would be so endlessly confused i cannot imagine knowing what was going on in the feywild at any point like everything I think sounds be the confusing point of me. i think that'd be the point of this for me is that like this would be not so much a battle heavy like quest, but more about like surviving the social and magical aspects of it. Yeah, a lot of role playing, like Yes. A lot of saving throws perhaps. Which is I think really important too. Like we wanna have encounters and that's something that I try to build for my players too, is that not everything is just physical combat. So I know so much either, isn't, either yeah. tomorrow night or next Wednesday, they're, my my players are going to be in court. <laughs> <laughs> they're arrested because someone ate people. And you can't do that. Well, especially because they don't realize that they're in a video game. None of them have figured it out yet. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that part. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they, they almost did last session. They fought like a boss mm-hmm. monster in a temple and I had a trophy show up with their names on it. 
It's too obvious. It's too obvious. But they didn't get it. And then at one point, they tried to cast read or detect thoughts on like the NPCs that were giving the quest. And so I had the thoughts like be a playback loop. <laughs> it was just over and over and over again, the same thought in the same order. And at one point, Colin looked at me and said, is there like a press A for continue button here, like somewhere that I see? Like so <laughs> close, so close. Because he's like making jokes so about it. He's close. so close, dude. Like you're like right there. <laughs> oh, there's so, oh my gosh. The reveal is going to be so, so rich. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to do with them. Anyways, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> So back to our next one. Our next one's going to be the Shudder Kai. I have oh. to give a shout out. I came up with this encounter. Uh, so the game Kevin plays in, his DM had a similar story. And I was like, I really like this a lot. There's is different. There's is about dreams, but I like this idea. So mm-hmm. the premise was that they have to retrieve the memories of a companion after they all get sent to the realm. And maybe that companion dies. <gasps> or as we learned, the Shudder Kai can steal memories. So maybe it steals an important key memory that they need. So they have to go get it back. Yes. So Which we have so all sorts of different uh, Shutter Kai things. A lot of them are going to be on page 213 and 214 of Mul- Monsters of the Multiverse. Two of them are. Um, we also have a giant raven that we're going to talk about here, which is on page 66 of Storm King Thunder. Uh, but we also really quick have no- uh, the Nakpa, which is on... 189 of monsters multiverse so really quick here's what we're going to be looking at i would be throwing in a bunch of the different shutter kai so we have a shutter kai dancer who are kind of like they're they're kind of like a monk almost they like teleport jump they're like the um the kensai monks or the shadow monk they can teleport but they have like a whipped chain so they can do like grapples and stuff or knock things prone i think they're kind of cool they're challenge rating seven uh, you know, maybe the whole campaign is, of, or the whole quest is about getting to the to the getting to the Raven Queen to ask for the memory back. So, giant ravens, I think you know those are challenge rating one. But I mean, that's her symbol, right? They also right. the ravens have get a lot of them, and the ravens get pack tactics, so they get advantage as long as there's another like ally nearby. So, like, imagine having like forty ravens. I was gonna say a whole flock, yeah, or um, raven. Doesn't have to be forty, but like you can have like fifteen, because if if this 15. is so based upon the levels of everything else in this encounter, I would probably say that I want my players to be around level twelve. So you know, a bunch okay. of ravens though is a pain in the butt. Um, there's also the Shatter Kai Gloomweaver, which is really great. They're a challenge rating nine. They they get like some spell casting features, which is really cool. They get things like Bane, which I love. Bane, what a great spell. Darkness confusion fear major image arcane gate i think this is a really cool because of all like the mind games you can play here they do necrotic damage on their hits they do they have like misty skep and can turn it invisible like i think these are really cool because they they just they do so much mind games here and i think it's supposed to be the way it's played out and that, and the reason you're getting these spells is because it's almost like an effect of being around them. Because it does say beasts and humanoids have disadvantage on saving throws while within ten feet of this thing, which is such a disadvantage. <laughs> well, that one's rough. The the, the Shatterkai Soulmonger, which is challenge rating eleven, I think that thing's even like more insane. Uh, this thing has this like constitution wave it sends out and everyone takes psychic damage and a level of exhaustion these things are i would just probably only ruthless. throw in like one i'd probably only throw oh, in gosh. one of these i'm not gonna lie i wouldn't want to throw in too many of these but like an exhaustion wave would suck yeah especially if it's like not the first thing that they're also we can cast bestow curse <laughs> like honestly this, i'm looking at this, this and what cripple can't your it party. Do? this could cripple your party so quickly and i think it's it's great not that I'm trying to kill my players, and my players are that. Like, we're all friends. They know that I just like seeing them come up with really insane solutions. Um, <laughs> seeing them quiver and panic, yes. Yeah, I think this thing's kind of insane. Um, so, also it says that any beast or human starts within five feet of this thing has its speed reduced by 20 feet. Yes, no, that. And then I'm seeing that it also, if it 
reduces a creature to zero it hit gets points temporary hit points. gain the hit points temporarily that yeah is very powerful <laughs> i think these things are awesome i really like them um and then i would have to throw in like so, a nagpa or two but their challenge or rating several, is 17 yeah. um so i'd probably do like one so maybe like it wasn't the raven queen but a nagpa tricking the shot archai and maybe like oh, when they defeat yeah. the nagpa the raven queen gives them a boon or something i don't know uh but nagpas are tough too they get they have like a death ray does a bunch of necrotic damage they have some cool spells dominate person feeble mind feeble mind's like one of the most insane spells to cast what? you literally attempting can to shatter its personality what does yeah. that even mean so feeble mind when you do it i've done this to a player once um their intelligence and charisma becomes one and they literally can't communicate in like any way oh my god yeah can't cast spells can't understand language yep. oh my gosh yep it's a nasty spell especially because it's it's a intelligence saving throw which a lot of players don't invest in <laughs> well right because you wouldn't that's not really something that comes up on your daily quest. So I think this would be like this whole this whole campaign with the Shadarkai and then ending it with a Nagpa, I think would be like a cool like mental like game. Oh, Especially because yeah. they, they have things like yeah. paralysis. Uh, they can charm creatures. I just think fighting this Nagpa would be super cool. Yeah, just for it to show up, it would be a total. I kind of want to fight I one. Am. I kind of want to fight one. <laughs> also wait really quick to put the nail on the coffin kevin and i were joking um i'm totally gonna have a an in-game event show up soon for my players where it's the mongolians showing up <laughs> and it's zombie genghis khan we found the idea online and i was like this is it it's happening that's perfect that's amazing because <laughs> like you can imagine some game like doing that as an event and like advertising it playing the zombie genghis khan event <laughs> It feels very, it feels very like a Fortnite event, honestly. It does. <laughs> that would be, oh my gosh. That's I so love funny. that they, they still have not figured this out. I love it. <laughs> eventually. Well, eventually we'll get to that revelation. So our last one is a uh, sea elf thing. It, we're going to do it differently, though. Instead of doing this as an encounter against the creatures, I want this to be an encounter where you're hired by the sea elves in the plane of water. Or they come looking for like help in the uh, the material plane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe they come to down, you. Yeah. To help take down the Leviathan. Mm-hmm. I want it to be like a, like these are going to be your NPC allies. I think that's super fun. I yes, love which we haven't talked to allies much. So yeah. I love it when players get to do that, and I know my players love to do that. They for that whole graveyard Doolahan thing, they rounded up t- like six allies, and me having to play all the voices was super fun not fun but it was great um <laughs> but i don't know like i really do think this would be a fun thing uh you know having the sea else maybe like pirate boats get some boats going on everyone's got a boat and maybe like your players get to be the captains of different boats as you're all trying to catch and fight the leviathan because the leviathan is a challenge rating 20 171 monster multiverse yeah. the thing is huge and we're talking like say. huge so I don't know if you know anything it's about really the element, big. the gargantuan elementals. Uh, they are related to, and I'm going to get this wrong, slightly wrong, and I do apologize, but I know for a fact they're related to uh, is it, is the Chinese, um, not zodiac. It's the four, the four gods, because they're in feng shui too. Um, and I know like Digimon used them because they were the basis off of the four Digimon sovereign gods. Uh, so. One of them is like uh, the the Zulong. The then there's like the water. There's the tiger, the turtle. Yes, yes, the yes, phoenix. Yeah, the, they the, don't have they don't have the tiger yes. in D and D. They got rid of the tiger, and they threw Leviathan instead. <laughs> Which is you know maybe maybe. <laughs> but the other three, but the other three are definitely there as like elemental beasts. So oh, this yeah. one is just kind of thrown into the group. <laughs> but I do like the Leviathan uh, because it has a water form, which is super cool because it's essentially like a living current. Yeah. And it's it does really cool. it does damage to like boats and stuff. Um, it does not like cold damage. So maybe like having your party plan like how to take that on. And maybe the Leviathan summons water elementals too. So you got to deal with water elementals jumping onto the boat. The Leviathan's under the boat. To me, this would be a, like a really fun like mid to end campaign kind of like quest 
Yeah, like a big final. It, it doesn't feels need to like be, a final it, it, it boss. Didn't, it doesn't need to be thing, the final yeah. thing, but just like something fun towards the end where you're like, "Oh, right, let's do it. Why not? Let's do it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This could be fun. I do love like um like you said a boss battle, a boss battle where you have to like you're not on solid ground. You'd be yeah, jumping between I do ships. Too. I that do would too. be so cool. The time where my player got feeble minded, it was in an asteroid field. <laughs> So far beyond typical landscape. Yeah, he was so angry. <laughs> sorry, Zach. I can imagine. I'm sorry, Zach. <laughs> he was so angry. I remember his Ugh. wife because she was at the table too. Was like, just calm down. It's just a game. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So, okay. Well, I think that's all I got. I'm all about pooped out about monsters. That I was, was going to say, fun. we have talked about elves for several hours now. So over the course of three episodes, I will find a way to get this bonus episode to you guys. We do love you all and we do appreciate you all. And uh, please, uh, if you have a chance, check out Flaming Dice every mm-hmm. Wednesday on Twitch, unless I'm sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. There is never a dull moment with D&D content. There is always something. I Always mean, it depends on who the DM is. Let's be fair. If it's you, it's not doll. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, they did spend like the two sessions ago, the entire session house haunting, and I had to on the fly figure out how mortgages worked in this world. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's just important. Because <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to buy a house, but they didn't have the money. And I was like, well, how the hell would a loan work? <laughs> yeah, let me do some quick Googling. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the life of a DM. It can be so hard. (laughs) All right. So on that set, have fun. We love you all. We'll see you next time.